Hello and welcome. My name is Chris. I'm Creston. And this is the Rubber Duck Dev Show. It's July 7th, 2021. COVID still sucks. And tonight we're going to follow up from last week. We're going to be talking about part two of our project management. This time we're going to be talking about the people part. Uh, so this is this is my favorite part of it. I really like, I mean, as you can see from my shirt here, I really like the people. So, um, but you know yeah, the shirt I, says you don't like the people, right? Yeah. So, um, but seriously, I, I, I really do enjoy the people part of project management, um, which is kind of contrary to my personality type, but we'll talk about that a little later. Um, so we're going to, we're not just going to talk about getting to know people. We're going to talk about how you deal with people in a project management setting, um, specifically for development projects. Um, so the first thing I want to talk about, the first topic, is the concept of leadership versus management. So what do those two things mean to you? Well, they're similar, but... Um... The way I tend to think about it when I see this is like leadership can come from anywhere. So any part of the organization. So you could be, you know, junior programmer, but you could show leadership in doing certain initiatives. Uh, management tends to be someone who's assigned the supervisor of a particular team or area. That's how I tend to split them out. Okay. Hold on. Seem to be Something having a couple screen. of technical difficulties. Uh, one second, let me check. A thing. Yeah, I think it's fine. All right, we thought we were having some technical difficulties, but I don't think we are. So uh, let me get back to thing here. All right, here we go. Um, so yeah, that's I, I think that's pretty spot on. Um, well, everybody can have their own different definition, but you know, do, you can disagree or agree with me, of course. Sure. But that, I mean, to me, that's the, the fundamental difference is management is a position you're given, the authority that you're given by the corporation, the company, your, your seniority. Um, but that's a, the, management is, it is your job to do these things. Leadership is helping to make the people around you better. Um, is kind of the way I see it. And I've seen leadership, a lot of leadership from junior people. Like uh, I've, you know, I've pair programmed with, with very junior folks who have taught me a lot of stuff and led me down learning curves that I hadn't thought about going down before. So yeah, leadership can come from everywhere. But I think that's an important distinction too. When you are the manager of, a, of project management, you want to be careful to make sure that you're also practicing, the, practicing leadership. Um, it's, it's important to do that, especially as the teams get larger and larger. Um, and, and what does practicing leadership mean to you? Is that meaning trying to get the most out of people or what... What does that mean to you? Well, really, to me, all right, so I actually wrote an article on this a couple of years ago, but 
the to me the most important fundamental part of leadership is servanthood um you are a servant to the team even if you're the manager especially if you're the project manager or the or the project lead the team lead um you're you have to be a servant to that team and i think leadership comes through making sure that um you're serving the good of the team the project and each person on that team so getting roadblocks out of their way um, making sure that they have their personal needs taken care of as much as you can um, stepping in to help them if they get bogged down with something or they get frustrated and dealing with them as people rather than assets um, so you know, leadership to me, practicing leadership is making sure that you're paying attention to the people. Management to me has more to do with the product and the processes around that, the technical part from last week. That's more management to me. This is more leadership. And, and you do have to manage people sometimes, some more than others, of course. But I think that the people part has more to do with leadership than the management um so but but you do still have to manage the people and so one of the one of the big things that you need to do that is good communication so what kind of communication channels do are some of your favorites when dealing with project management well i mean there's nothing like being in the room with someone Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course, it's the dreaded meeting, but <laughs> or even in the midst of the project is walking around and checking out how things are going. Like, for example, maybe there's a weekly. Uh, it depends on the type of project and what you're doing and the team size. So like if you're a really large team, maybe you just have the subject matter experts or it could be everyone depends, goes into a weekly project meeting that is a certain duration. Or if you're on a smaller team. Maybe you have weekly stand-up. So there you're doing it every day, um, but with fewer number of people. So, I mean, those are, you know, the main forms of communication. Although, and then apart from that, I tend to prefer asynchronous communication, meaning things like emails or things I don't have to check, meaning... There's this whole concept of being in flow. And if you're going to want to get some project done through programming, through software development, you're going to need significant amounts of time, uninterrupted time to get that done. Yep. So having too, much, too many meetings or too many instances of someone bothering you for a synchronous communication session, be it on Slack or whatever, or chat or whatever, then that's going to bog down the project, delay things. Right. And you bring up a good point, too, that to, the communication needs to... You have to be careful about allowing the communication channels to be interruptions for you because doing development takes a lot of brain power and focus and stuff, mm -hmm. and every time you have to get out of that to do something else and then come back into it, you're kind of losing some ground on your thought process. And so it ends up taking longer. So you do have to be really careful 
you want it to be easy to communicate, but you don't want it to be easy to interrupt. And that's, that's a really hard thing to balance. So, um, you know, like I, I use Slack or Microsoft Teams, mostly Slack, but I've used Microsoft Teams, which is kind of the same, same concept anyway. Um, and, and Campfire, you know, there's all kinds of chat apps. When you've got a large team, one of the things that I've found really important to do is to make sure that you've got channels, fairly specific channels in those chat apps. Um, so that, you know, if somebody's talking about, you know, like there's a fun channel where people can talk about fun things. Well, I can ignore that most of the day, you know, go look at it at the end of the day or something. But then I've got, you know, like an emergency channel. One of our customers is down and we need something now. Boom. I get, you know, I need special notifications or general help chat channels or pair programming channels or one-to-one -one. but you just got to make sure that it's you're not getting notifications like every two seconds pinging in your ear because that's just going to distract you um so i think you know slack and 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 or microsoft teams are really good ways to communicate slack is my personal favorite way to do it having used both i just prefer that but there i know there are people that prefer teams um, so, uh, but it, it's just one of those things. If you're not in the room with somebody, you've got to have some kind of way to communicate. And as fast as development and technology moves today, you can't do it all over email. That's just too slow for a lot of things. You have to have some fairly rapid communications a lot of times. Yeah. yeah and yeah, well, I mean, I kind of think of what, on what you tend to do. Um, like I'm not a huge fan of Slack other than for a synchronous communication session. I, I, I ha haven't become a fan of it for asynchronous communication. Like someone saying, hey, can you check this thing out? I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I communicate via it, but I would much prefer just to receive an email because I feel there's I guess it's important for the organization to come to an agreement on if Slack communication is supposed to be considered more of a synchronous or an asynchronous, or like you said, it's specific channels that need to be paid attention to, whereas others can be, you know, you check them every couple of hours or every three hours or whatever it is. Right. And yeah, and it's important that the tool has the ability to turn on and off notifications for certain channels, too, so that, you know, yeah, I get dinged in the emergency channel every time there's something in there, but I don't get dinged all day long in the fun channel. Yeah. You know, so it's... I mean, I've even... This may be slightly off topic, but I've even done some of that for emails. Like, if I, I've actually set up filters in my email for certain email addresses of particular clients and customers. And if I receive an email through there, it actually gets sent to a separate email address that actually pings a verbal and a banner on my phone. <laughs> so all the other emails I receive in my main email address, that doesn't happen for, but these select few 
give me a verbal notification. Oh, there's something that's come in from a particular customer or for example, or from honey badger. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh God, the world's exploding. Ding, ding. Exactly. So, yeah. And I, and I think that's that the whole concept of interruption and stuff, um, you have to be conscious of that with other people too, that, that you don't do that to other people. Um, and I think that's part of the, the management part of it is you need to make sure that the other people on your team can sit and concentrate and do what they need to do and not be constantly interrupted. So you have to make sure you're thinking about that both ways. Um, so, you know, don't send a bunch of extraneous messages. If you need to communicate, communicate, because you don't, you know, not communicating is worse, but just make sure you got something to say. <laughs> or it's an appropriate time to be cutting up and, you know. Yes, you. I mean, you definitely should, um, should communicate. Hey, Mark, how you doing? Welcome to the show. Um, have you Howdy. tried Zulip? Um, no, I haven't tried Zulip, but I will check it out. Thank you. Um, so yeah, in fact, I think one of us is going to check it out right now <laughs> while the other one's running the stream, um, which is super cool. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think that the, the interruptions. So, it's, so it says here it combines the immediacy of real time chat with an email threading model. So, huh? So that may be the kind of the middle ground between you and me, um, for the way we like to do things. Um, I am more of a, I like to be in contact with people, um, pretty regularly. Um, so I spend as probably more time than I should in chat. Um, but I also try to be aware of how that affects other people. Um, so, but yeah, communication is very important. So, especially nowadays where everything is distributed, because there's not a lot of developers working in offices or not nearly as many as there were two years ago. Um, most of us are remote because you know, we, uh, most, most of the time, our jobs don't necessitate us being in an office. We're talking to computers. So where we do Except that when is when we need to talk to people. <laughs> right. And that's where, you, that's where you need these tools. But I, th I think we've gotten to a point with the technology that it's not really that big of an issue. I haven't, I haven't noticed any issues, um, with my current job of, having any communication problems or, I mean, we can jump on a zoom call with five minutes notice. It's not, you know, it's no more than saying, Hey, meet me in the conference room, you know? So. It's, it's actually interesting that since COVID I've actually had more visual meetings with people than I have in the last five years. Cause like I tend to work remote. I, I have customers all over the country, actually all over the world. Mm -hmm. And I've actually seen more people, more people that I've worked with or served, you know, as customers in the last, you know, two years than I have in the last five years. Yeah. I, I yeah, I think, I think that's, pro I would agree with that. That's been something I've noticed too, is I'm, 
I'm actually doing a lot more talking and face-to-face -face communication than when I was in an office. Because when I was in an office, I would typically end up having to close my door because people were constantly walking back and forth and making noise. Not, not you know, that they were specifically coming after me, but it's just the hallway noise and stuff, and I couldn't, you know. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, so, on the topic of interruptions, the dreaded meeting. How often, how long, how much? Uh, what should you talk about? Um, so, and I mean, that's a huge depends question, but what are your thoughts? Well, if we're talking about project management, there's a particular project that you're doing. So whatever is sufficient to facilitate moving, continuing to move the project forward, I would think a minimum of once a week, um, would be necessary, but like if you are a smaller team and you're having to work more collaboratively, then maybe you want to do it um, like people do for standups. So like, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes a day or something like that, where you just kind of report what you've worked on and what you plan to work on next. Yeah, I, I mean, I think- but it's, it's, but it's a big, you know, it depends. Right. It, it really is. It, it depends a lot on the size of your team, the members of your team, the type of project, the customers you have, the industry you're working in. But here, here's some of the things that I've kind of found. And I, I've got I've got some pretty strong opinions about this, too. Like, surprise, surprise. But um, every morning stand-ups are too much i've never been in a situation where that was necessary i've been in situations where they were scheduled for you know the 15 morning more 15 minute stand-up every morning and they always turned out to be one to two hour stand-ups every morning what yeah and it just it got to be exhausting it got to be you know it was just and then that goes counter to my statement where i said as long as it moves the project forward right <laughs> because Which... if you're in a two-hour meeting every day what the heck well and because what would happen and this is i don't think this is uncommon in order to do 10 to, to keep things to 10 to 15 minutes if you've got more than like two people you have to have a really strong on the ball manager who's not afraid to yeah. tell people to shut up because what always happens because we're human and we like to communicate is somebody brings up an issue and then we all try to solve it in the meeting. And that's not what those are for, but the, the, that, that that's called the parking lot. Right. You, you park the idea in the parking lot and whomever wants to address it after the meeting, go for it. Right. Yeah. Hey, you guys pair on that. Go, you know, after the meeting, go deal with it. But that's that's just not what happens. So what I found is that the, the everyday standups were just too much. And what seems to be the sweet spot for me, for, for any team larger than two, is scheduled meeting once a week and other meetings as needed. You just call them in, in um, the the whatever your chat communication channel is, 
hey, I need to have a, I'm having this problem. I need to have a meeting about it. Can we get on the phone? Um, but having those scheduled every day, because what ended up happening is I lost almost a half a day of work every day because I was having to get ready for that meeting and attend that meeting and watch the meeting go for an hour or two. And then I'm tired after the meeting. And then, you know, it's just, it's, well, it, it doesn't, it sounds like that situation would not move the project forward. Um, so Mark Clifton, I have a five person weekly, 80 minute catch up meet. Sounds like the standups and possibly feature dev or other incident subject specific meetings. Usually never more than two meets a week. Yeah, I, I, I think that's exactly right. Uh, personally, I think, well, I, I don't know what, okay. For me, 80 minutes would be too long, but that's because I don't like being in meetings. So I'm not saying that, that 80 minute meetings are too long. It depends on what you're doing and how productive they are. For me, it would just drive me nuts, but that's a personal thing. Um, and it depends on what's covered. If it's, you know, if, right. if they are reserved time for, uh, you know, discussion, dis discussing particular issues and whatnot. And if everybody in the, in the group is happy with that, fantastic. Yeah. You know, um, so, th and that's why we started this, th that part of the conversation with, it's a big depends the people, the project, the, you know, their team members. Yeah. So, um, team synergies. So this is something that I'm, I'm really interested in how to get one plus one to equal five on a team. Um, but it's not easy to do, um, as a, as a team lead or a project manager you really have to understand your people to figure out the best ways to get their synergies going. So what are some ways you think that could help team synergies in a development project? I don't know of a way, or I haven't thought about this much. I mean, frankly, I, I just flicked it. I saw this particular light item uh, less than an hour ago. So I yeah. haven't formed any thoughts with regard to it. It seems difficult to achieve. Um, you know, essentially it goes to, you know, the sum is greater in, than the individual parts or the benefit is, you know, two people coming together produces something better than people could produce individually that's really hard to gauge because a lot of times there's costs with bringing two people together. Yep. So to have something that's actually even more of a benefit is a challenge. And I think, I don't know, sitting here right now in terms of what I'm thinking, I mean, if you could find it, that's great, but that may be difficult to find. And I don't know how to, identify that because that is very people specific about what different people's strengths are and to find something that, you know, in the right combination, it makes things better. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Yeah. So I, my experience with, with 
differing teams is that you're right. It's really hard to do to, to figure that out. Now, people, groups of people tend to figure out ways to work well together, right? Just individual people. But as a team leader, a project manager wanting to foster that, and this is, this is, I know, fairly controversial because I've talked to people about it. Um, one of the best things that I've found is pair programming. And the reason I say that is because in order to get people synergizing with each other, they need to expand their knowledge horizontally so that they can bounce ideas off of other specializations and understand faster what each other is talking about. Um, so for instance, if we've got a front-end person and a database person and they pair program, you know, maybe an hour, two hours a week and work on things, um, then they can learn from each other about those other specializations. And then what ends up happening as you, as you kind of cycle that around the team and everybody picks up smatterings of everybody else's specializations, when we have to work on something, anybody can just jump in there and say, okay, let's think about this and think about this and think about this and let me research that while you're typing. And, and it, it ends up, once you get that going, it's a huge benefit. And pair programming, I think, is hugely beneficial for a lot of reasons besides that. But that's a big thing in the, the personnel management, um, getting people to work together, um, getting people to understand each other better and, and, and communicate better with each other, understand how they talk. Um, so I think, to me, pair programming is one of the best ways to engender uh, synergies in a programming team. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I guess what I'm thinking is like, is it's not always going to work. You're, yeah. you know, you're going to have a pair up where, you know, it's not going to, it's not going to result in more than double the, the amount of work or it's going to, sure. yeah. Or it's not going to be as effective or, you know, for whatever reason. Right. And there are, so, you know, I, I'll, but it's I'll, an opportunity to try and find, find those, right? Center, you know, find something that's. And I will put some caveats there. A. Not all the time is appropriate to pair program. There are some times where you need to put your head down and get the job done. You don't have time. Uh, I mean, you just need to lone wolf it. You know, um, and that that has a lot more to do, uh, for with um business issues, um, business pressures, market pressures, timing, um, things from your clients, that has more to do with outside forces than inside. Um, so it's not always a good idea to program. Also, like you said, there are people who are just not going to be amenable to pair programming. They are very lone wolf programmers, and that's the only thing they want to do. And I'm not saying it's a case where someone's not amenable to it, but I'm just saying, for lack of a better term, I think it's a bit of a crapshoot whether 
programmer A and B come together and produce something faster than them working independently. Like maybe A does it with C, but A with B, it doesn't work out that way. Right. And I think early on, that's almost always going to be the case. Like if you just start introducing pair programming, your immediate thing is it's going to slow things down. It just is. Yeah. But over the long haul, I think more often than not, it's going to help. Not only with the speed of development, but with the spread of knowledge and the issues, you know, you know, I'm the specialist on this. Oh my gosh, I've got pneumonia. I'm laid up in the hospital for 18 years or whatever, you know, <laughs> God, I hope not. But somebody else can understand what I've been doing and take it over. And it doesn't just crash the business because, you know, this major part of the program that I was in charge of suddenly has nobody who knows about it. So there's more, um, more than just the synergies that go on with pair programming. A lot, a lot of things happen, but um, that's one of the best things I've found that almost always will eventually lead to synergies in a team. Uh, so Mark asks, what tools have you used for pair programming? Um, well, um, Parsec, I haven't used Parsec. Um, there are, I mean, I, I've done all kinds of stuff, you know, just screen sharing is the most, is the easiest way I know of to do it. But I've also used like, um, I use this sometimes is, um, I can't think of the name of it. Um, hold on, I'll find it. It's uh, AnyDesk uh, because it basically has a whiteboard in it. You can share the screen. Both people can be in there mucking around and it has a whiteboard. So AnyDesk I really like. Um, but I've, I've mostly used Zoom just because people get on the Zoom call and then it may lead to just working in Zoom doing the thing. So right. vast majority of the time it's been Zoom. Although I have heard good things about Tuple as well, T-U-P-L-E. I have too, although I think there was some reason I couldn't use that when I looked at well, it Well, they're only ago. Mac OS now. Oh, that was it. <laughs> um, that was the reason. <laughs> I mean, I use Linux and I've heard that they're developing a Linux client. Um, and, but any, anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, but more often than not, what I end up using is just something like screen sharing on Zoom or Microsoft Teams or Google Meet or whatever we're talking on because that's the fastest way to get set up. And normally, when we're pair programming, it's one person's typing, the other one's researching and thinking ahead. So we don't really need to share the keyboard and stuff. We just need to be able to both see what's what the code is. Um, but I do like having... Um, I, I do like having the ability to have kind of like a whiteboard ability where we can just kind of switch and draw some things because I love whiteboards. I mean, I, when I was in an office, I spent a lot of time at a whiteboard, probably more time at a whiteboard than I did at a computer, honestly, um, because it's a fast way to, to sketch things out. 
Uh, I've tried GitDuck and JetBrains has some plugins. Uh, screen sharing is simplest, easiest for me. Yeah. Um, I haven't used JetBrains in quite a while, but that's because I mostly do Rails development and JetBrains isn't something I need for that um, in Linux. But And GitDuck, I've, I haven't messed with that. I, don't, I haven't heard of that one. Um, but things to check out. I, I love checking out new toys. <laughs> for sure. All right. So now we're going to get into the part of things where I am most interested, and that is getting a little deeper into like the psychology and the, the, the team building and the team dynamics and how people interact. Um, and the, the reason I want to bring this up is because I think it's vitally important for project managers to understand this kind of stuff. You don't have to be a psychologist, but you need to understand the basics of how people work so that you can deal with um, issues that come up because any time you have a group bigger than one, there will at some point be issues, interpersonal issues. So you have to know how to deal with them. That's part of your job as a project manager. Um, so there are a couple of things that, that I've done in the past and I've used and that, that I would really, really recommend because they're not difficult. They're easy to understand. And it helps the entire team, not just the project manager, understand each other better. Um, so let's take a quickie look um, at the first thing is just take a simple Myers-Briggs test. I, most people have heard of this, the, the Myers-Briggs. This is the introvert expert, sensing or intuition, thinking or feeling, judging or perceiving, you know, this stuff. Um, it's a good, it's, now most of the tests you get online, the free ones are not terribly in depth, but they will give you a general sense of um, self-awareness and understanding how you deal with the world and how you deal with other people um, and understanding how other people do those things. Um, now, one of the things that I've noticed, well, one of the biggest things that I learned for, for people management was the difference between introvert and extrovert. That was a huge deal. Um, and just understanding that makes a big difference in how you interact in how you're able to manage your people. So introverts, it, a lot of thinking years ago was that introvert equals shy, and that's not true. Um, I'm, a, I'm a highly manifested introvert. I have no problem getting in front of a camera or s public speaking or any of that stuff. I'm not shy. All that means is when I process information, I process it internally first, and then I speak about it. Whereas an extrovert, when they're thinking through something, they tend to think with words. Um, the other thing is what recharges you. So if I'm in a group of people, that drains me, and I need to be by myself and have some alone time to recharge myself, and extroverts are the opposite. It's not that I don't like being around people. I love a good party. 
but I can only take so much of it, and then I have to have some alone time. And extroverts, they they don't mind lone wolfing the big project for a while, but that drains them, and at some point, they need to be around people to recharge themselves. So that's a very important thing to understand because if you've got if you've got an extrovert that's constantly locked up lone wolfing things, that's not good for them. And eventually that's going to be problematic for the team. And vice versa. You have a bunch of introverts and the extrovert goes to all the introverts constantly (laughs) disturbing them. Right. That's not good for them. And it will be eventually be a problem. Now I will say that by and large, Programmers tend to be introverts. We like talking to machines. That's why we're programmers, is because we can just go off by ourselves, do our job, and we don't have to interact all the time. Um, so that tends to be uh, a, a big thing with programmers, is we're primarily introverts. But I would highly recommend, just even if it's just for you to understand yourself better, uh, this is a good place to start. Even more than that, I highly recommend the Gallup Clifton Strength Finder. Not only did this help me understand myself better and get better at figuring out how to manage myself personally during the day so that I didn't burn out, so that I was more effective, so that I was doing the things that I'm really good at and letting other people do the things that I'm not good at. Um... But it also, because the whole team took these things, we were able to talk about these and say, okay, you two people should work more together because your strengths are very complementary. It does cost a little money, but it's not that expensive. You can get the the top five strengths test for like 20 bucks a person. It's it's pretty cheap. But this this was so eye-opening for me from a personnel management standpoint. So I would highly recommend people take a look at this um, and and get your team to take this thing. It's it's worth the hundred bucks or whatever it costs to get the, and they have a more f- comprehensive one that's like 50 bucks a person, but you don't need that. It's nice if you can afford it, but you don't need it. So um, I, you know, I think it's also a good idea to once in a while spend a little time just reading on the internet articles about group dynamics and team psychology just to get a basic understanding and keep it fresh in your mind of things to look out for and things to be aware of in the team situations so have you taken either one of these tests uh myers brig and you're, I, I know you're uh, also an introvert. Um, well, the last time I tested, I, I was actually between an in- introvert because it's it's not black or white. There's mm-hmm. shades of gray. So I was actually between, uh, I was probably like 60, 40 introvert versus extrovert. Right. So, yeah. And these are scales. This is not like yeah. flip a switch. It's not, this is not binary. <laughs> these are scales, yeah. each of these four things. Um, and the other thing is they, they can, and most likely will change as you age. 
Um, and different experiences and whatnot. Right. So it's it's a good idea, actually, to do this every few years or so. A, to kind of refresh yourself on what it means, but B, to see if you're if you've changed any. Um, because this really this stuff really does inform how you deal with a uh, group of people. And I think being self-aware is very, very important to leadership. You need to understand what you're good at and what you suck at and get people to make up, you know, find the right people to make up what you suck at so that you can do what you're good at. And you need to be aware of that with the people you're managing, too. You know, don't don't make this person the UX designer if they suck at graphic design. Let them do what they're good at. Um, so that comes to the bad part about this, dealing with interpersonal issues or problem team members. So have you ever had to do something? Have you ever had a problem person or not necessarily a problem person, but either a problem person or something that flared up in the team that you had to step in and deal with. Always. Of course, I'm trying to think. <laughs> I mean, definitely stuff has happened. I'm trying to think of particular issues, but yeah, I mean, it's going to happen. <clears throat> right. And I think, you know, going back to the beginning of the conversation where I was talking about servanthood being an important part of leadership, you need to understand that, Sometimes to serve the team, you need to fire somebody. There is always that possibility. If somebody is causing problems for the team and they're just, you know, they may be good at programming, but they're just a jerk to everybody and nobody wants to be around them, that's probably not good for the team. And you're not serving the team by keeping that person around. Now, that's not to say as soon as they mouth off to somebody, you fire them. You should try dealing with it, talk to the person, see if you can get it corrected first. But there have been times when I haven't been able to get it corrected and you just have to make a decision because that's what's good for the project and for the other team members. And probably for that person. They're obviously not happy here. They, they should probably be happier somewhere else. Um, I will say that that's, that's the thing I hate most about project management is having to deal with something that bad. I mean, I don't have a problem with, hey, these guys had an argument. Let's get in here, hash it out, and, and be buddies again. You know, let's, let's talk it out. And stepping in and, and being the the intermediary for those things that doesn't bother me. But when you have to finally make a decision of they're just not going to, they're not going to get better. And this is killing the team. You have to be aware of that and you have to be able to do it. So, um, so I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on that sucky subject other than, it's necessary sometimes, and you got to be aware of it. So let's talk about team building, because that's fun. Um, just to throw some ideas out, what what kind of ideas have you like? I need I, 
you do a lot of lone wolfing now, but I know you've worked on decent sized teams through your career. What kind yeah, of team? Doing project management as well as managing a team directly. Uh, not doing project management per se, but just managing a you know group of individuals. And I mean, a lot of the team building is finding opportunities to do things together. Like a lot of it would be going out to lunch, for example, or to go off on retreats if that's in, in the realm of possibility. Sometimes particular trainings can be a way just to do it together, you know? So it's the group of people that you work with closely getting together and just having opportunities for social interaction that doesn't address work. Right. And I think that's the important, one of the important things that escapes a lot of people is, yeah, let's get away from here. And then they talk shop the whole time, which is really not what you want to do. What you want to do is start getting to know those people as people better. That's what you yeah. want to use that time for. Um, but I see it over and over again is, hey, let's let's go to the bar and talk about all the code. And, and but some of that, that's fine. But, you know, some people, you know, I mean, a lot of people will have opportunities to talk about their families or whatnot. So you get to, you know, know them better from there. Right. And that doesn't necessarily always have to happen away from the job either. I mean, we do a lot of just oh, sure. shooting the bull on, on Slack, you know, yep. we'll spend 15 minutes because we're all a little burnt in the afternoon. We'll just spend 15 minutes shooting the bull on Slack and talking and sharing pictures of when I was in college or, you know, and that's, that's good for a team. I or, think. Or, or having, yeah, that's one thing that is beneficial about Slack is that you get more insight into people, the kinds of things that they share. Right. <laughs> like, does someone always share Star Star Wars stuff or Star Trek stuff or fantasies? You know, you get to learn a little bit more about that person and what, what they're interested in. Right. And I think, I think the long and short of this whole show boils down to you need to get to know the people as people because in order to effectively manage them and have the whole team working best together, you need to understand these people's personalities. They're not robots. They're not assets. They're people. They're not pegs to put in a hole. Right. They have desires. They have problems. They have wants. They have, you know... All, all kinds of things that you have. And um, it's important to kind of understand that. I mean, you need to keep it professional, but you can be friendly with somebody and get to know them and still manage them and lead them. Um, and I think a big, another big part of that is allowing people to lead in the project when you're a project manager or a team lead one of the best things you can do for the other people on your team is to step back and let them shine um which is hard to do because all of us want our pat on the back all of us want to be the superman that comes in and saves the day 
but to develop these other people, it's good to step back and let them shine. You know, let them come in and teach you something awesome. Let them be the one that fixes that problem bug that's been driving everybody nuts for two weeks. And yeah, maybe you can solve it faster, but let them do it. Um, yeah, I learned that early on because I was put in charge of a project where I was a subject matter expert in almost exactly nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I demonstrated the ability to conduct a project quite seamlessly on time under budget yada 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 they said so, so they said the management of that organization said well let's give them this project so i was basically the project manager but there were all these subject matter experts that knew far more than i did about anything but i just had to come in and say okay <laughs> Let's get all these smart people in a room and figure out how we're going to get this thing done and how we can do it. And basically, I came in with the methodology. Hey, let's follow this methodology to, you know, get this done. And we, we were able to do it. But it was, you know, I didn't come in there with, like, I couldn't have come in there and said, we're going to do it. We're going to do exactly this because I had no clue what to do. Yeah, and that's that's actually an interesting point because... Understanding the fundamentals of project management and, and personnel management and, and getting these, really digging into these topics that we talked about last week and tonight, you know, both the, the technical parts of it and the personnel parts of it, the people parts, you can take that knowledge to places besides development. For instance, I had my boss come to me several years ago at a job I had, and I was the VP of, of development, right? I was the, the, the tech guy. He said, I need you to take over the marketing department because they're struggling. They've got no direction, and I need somebody to manage them. And I was like, I took one marketing class in college 20 years ago, but I don't know anything about marketing. He was like, no, no, no. I don't need you to know marketing. They know marketing. They don't know management. They don't know organization. That's what I need you to do. And so I was able to help a completely different department using the same techniques and same technologies, um, just with different verbiage, you know. Now, I mean, the development project management does have some special things that, that go into it. And so does marketing project management, sales management, and, you know, the, there are certain things. But a lot of it is just understanding the people and the communication channels. Um, so... Um, See, we're running up against the clock here. So uh, what other things can you think of with the people part of project management? Well, I mean, I've actually been thinking about um, a couple of things. And, and we could probably also revisit, the, revisit this also when we talk about pair programming. But kind of what do you think about the uh, so-called 10x developer, the developer that codes 10 times faster than other developers and whatnot. 
Um, well, first of all, I think that's kind of a myth, <laughs> to, to be honest. Um, I, I What I think is those people end up coding not necessarily 10 times faster, but two times faster and five times longer. And they end up burning themselves because they're just working too much. I, I think it's important... As important as it is to understand the people on your team, you also need to understand yourself and what you need. What do you mean two times faster, five times longer? They may be a faster coder, but they're not that much faster, but they get all this stuff done because they are always coding. I've known people like that, that are like, they get up at six o'clock in the morning, they start coding, they grab a sandwich for lunch and, and code through lunch. <clears throat> they go to bed at 11 o'clock, they sleep for three or four hours, and then they get back up and do it again. And they're just constantly doing it. Now, you can do that for a couple of days. You know, hey, there's a big project that's got to happen. It's high high pressure, high priority. Lots of people's jobs are riding on it. We just got to, you know, beat through it for, for two days. That's fine. But these are, these are people that will do this for months or years. And that's just their lifestyle. And I, I think that's dangerous for a person. Um, you mean to only focus on that? Yeah, you got to take a break. You can't And always... by 10x, I, d I don't necessarily mean they spend 10, 10 times more time, but I basically mean their efficiency at producing working code. Yeah, well, I mean, there, A, I think a lot of that has to do with experience. When I started coding, it would take me forever to fix simple bugs. Now, I can fix really complex problems because I've got enough experience to know where to look for it, how to reproduce it, how to trace through it faster to figure out where the issue is, what potential things could be the issue. And that's, you know, 20 whatever years of coding experience. So I think that's a has a lot to do with it. Now, I mean, having pr programming chops is important too. You know, you got to have a logical mind. You got to know how to to develop things. You got to understand object-oriented programming, functional programming, all the programming methodologies and stuff. <laughs> so, I you know, seeing somebody like that come green out of college, I think would almost be an impossibility because I think that has more to do with experience than intelligence. Okay. And I was just curious. Yeah. Cuz that's something that I think I've thought about periodically. So also I will say that fast is not does not equate to good. Quality is not yeah, necessarily not always, a fast thing. Yeah. Um but yeah, I, I mean the hmm, the I think your speed of programming just increases with experience, and having an experienced mentor, I think, goes a long way to getting you there faster. Um. 
so uh, that kind of brings me to the one opinion thing that I wanted to to bring up tonight. Good segue. And that is pair programming is just something you need to do. Not all the time. It's not always appropriate. But if you haven't tried pair programming, I would highly recommend you spend some time trying pair programming. That doesn't mean sit down with your buddy for eight hours a day, every day. That means take an hour or two and work on a bug together or a feature together or, you know, it, whatever. But spend some time pair programming with somebody else and see if it doesn't, at the very least, make you a better programmer. I have never been in a situation where pair programming ended up being a bad thing. So, all right. I think that's all we have time for tonight, yeah. which is good because my throat's getting dry because the weather down here in Florida sucks because Elsa's a turd. And but COVID. it should be not dry because we're being rained out of existence right I, now. You would think, but for some reason, my throat has just been horribly dry the past couple of days because the, well, the reason is I've been having to take allergy meds because all the rain is knocking all the allergens up. And uh, so. Okay, I get that. Um, anyway, Florida's just a mess. Um Anyway, hope you guys enjoyed that. Thanks for joining us. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe, follow, whether you're seeing this on YouTube or Twitch, because we stream live to both. Um, also, uh, we do this every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. And next week, we are going to be talking about... Pair programming pair programming oh look at that what a segue a dedicated uh, <laughs> dedicated episode to it the whole thing although we've talked a lot about it tonight we may not have an hour's worth of stuff somebody's gonna have to come and, and hit the chat so bring all your friends chat it up we'll talk about <laughs> pair programming next week um hope you guys enjoyed that uh stay on the lookout we're still working on the discord and we're still working on the podcasts yeah. um so we will be making announcements for that in the coming weeks. Uh, so make sure you subscribe and, and follow and, you know, just mash all the buttons and ding all the bells. And we will see you next week. Thanks so much for joining us. Bye. Bye.